So I've been wondering, when I get home from school, are you happy to see me? If I'm doing stuff in my room, do you miss me? When you're on your phone and I walk by, do you even notice me? Sometimes I kind of feel like I'm invisible, like nobody really sees me. And I wonder sometimes, do you love me? Sad video, huh? Coming out of that. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Eaglebrook Church. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, we are in the second week of a series called Four Questions That Every Kid Needs Answered. Last week, I said that from about the age of two until at least the age of 18, your kids are going to be asking the question, where are the boundaries? And as a parent, you've got to set clear expectations and consistently enforce consequences. This week's question is this. Do you love me? From the day that your kids are born until the day that you die, in other words, you never stop being a parent on this one, your kids are going to be asking you the question, do you love me? Four expectant fathers were in a hospital room waiting while their wives were in labor. The nurse arrived and said to the first man, congratulations, you are the father of twins. He said, oh my goodness, what a coincidence. I work for the Minnesota Twins. A little while later, the nurse came back into the room and she said to the second guy, you, sir, are the father of triplets. He said, that's unbelievable. I work for 3M. <laughs> About an hour later, the nurse came back into the room. The first two guys were passing out cigars and celebrating the birth of their kids but the third guy had grown awfully quiet. The, the nurse turned to him and announced that his wife had just given birth to quadruplets. He couldn't even speak. Finally, he regained his composure and he stammered out, I don't believe it. I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. After hearing this, everybody's attention turned to the fourth guy, who immediately fainted just fell flat on the floor. When he finally regained consciousness, they could hear him whispering over and over again, I shouldn't have taken that job at 7-Eleven. <laughs> ask any kid, whether they, or ask any parent rather, if they have one kid, seven kids, or 11 kids, it doesn't matter. Parenting is a huge challenge. If you're here today and you have an infant, you're dealing with sleepless nights, and crying babies. I can tell because you're like slumping over in your chair. Just this one hour of break is so nice. Better you than me. Those of you who are parents of toddlers, you have a three-year-old defiantly refusing to do what they've been asked to do. If you have more than one kid, now you've got sibling fights and teenagers. Now you've got moodiness, hormones, dating, sleepovers, parties, driving, what college to attend, and a myriad of other decisions. Ask any parent whether you have one kid or 11 kids, and they will tell you that parenting is a huge challenge. At least it is for me. 
My wife and I have four kids under the age of nine. And as I mentioned last week, I spoke on boundaries, setting up boundaries for your kids. When I came home after giving that message, I asked my wife how things had been going. And she told me that our three-year-old son, Jasper, had just decided he was going to go visit his friend who lives at the neighbor's house. Put on his shoes, walked out the door, didn't tell anyone. By the time my wife figured out where he was, she went running out and found him with our neighbor, escorting him back to our house. The neighbor said, I figured you didn't know where he was. How about that for boundaries? So as you can tell, we are not parenting experts. We've got a long ways to go in this. But today I want to remind us of a truth from the Bible. It's an ancient truth. It's a truth that oftentimes gets lost as we're racing out the door to get our kids to practice after a long day at work. Here it is. It's from Psalm 127. It says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children are a gift. Not a burden. Not a pain. Not a distraction from your real life and your real dreams. I know it can feel that way at times, but your son or your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your niece or your nephew is a gift from God himself. The verse goes on to say this. It says, children born to a young man are like sharp arrows in a warrior's hands. How happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, there are three things that you do with an arrow. You give it direction, so you aim it, you give it some direction, you then pull it back and prepare it, and then you let it go. Parents do the exact same thing. You give your kids direction, you give them an aim in life, you then prepare them for life, and then I've heard this is the really fun part, you let them go. That's what parents do. In his book, Hope Quotient, author Ray Johnstone says this. He says, as kids grow older, we have to become better at reaching their heart than filling their head. I love that. I want that as a parent. As kids get older, they don't need just another lecture. They don't need just another don't do that. They need a parent who loves them enough to reach their heart. For spring break this past year, we drove our kids down to South Carolina, and on the last day that we were there, I told my two oldest boys that if they behaved, I would let them stay up late, and we would take a walk alongside the beach. It was a foggy, misty night, and so there was no one else out on the beach. You could see some house lights faintly on one side, and you could just hear the waves rolling in from the ocean on the other. My son Hudson was holding my hand. He's kind of a feeler. My son Micah was just bouncing alongside, talking our ear off. He's kind of a talker. And so it was true to form. It was such a wonderful moment. I thought, you know, I want to use this for something significant. And so I had been reading a book by Bill Hybels while I was there called Whispers. And so I asked my boys, I said, you know, I'm reading this book. And it's about how God speaks to us. Not oftentimes in an audible voice, but usually with like a thought or an impression. I said, have you ever had a time in your life where you felt like God had been speaking to you? One of my sons said, yeah, I have. One of my friends at school was looking at some inappropriate stuff on the computer, and I just felt like God was calling me to confront him about that. And that got us started into a conversation about inappropriate websites. 
and dating and the consequences of our future actions. My other son said he thought so, but he wondered why God didn't speak to him more often. And that started us talking about seeking God and when God seems distant and why some prayers don't get answered. I went back to my room that night and my heart felt so full. I felt such a tenderness and intimacy towards my boys. I wrote this statement down in my journal. I wrote, the right question at the right time is the key to open your kid's heart. I really believe that. You get the right time, right before bed or at a restaurant, just the two of you, and you ask the right kind of question, and it just opens up your kid's heart. I'm telling you, as a parent, that's what I want. I don't want to just discipline and set consequences. That's important. We devoted a whole message to that last week, but I want to reach my kid's heart in a way that will make them feel loved. But how do you do that? How do you reach your kid's heart in a way that will make them feel loved? I think there's at least three ways. Kids who feel loved have parents who give them three things. The first one is this. Your kids will feel loved when you give them attention. To me, one of the most fascinating stories of parents in the Bible is a man named King David. David, if you haven't read the Bible much, you've probably still heard of him. He's the one that slayed the giant Goliath. Elsewhere, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. But as a parent, David struggled. One of his sons was named Absalom. And for three years, while Absalom was a young adult, David did not pay him any attention at all. Finally, Absalom becomes so desperate that he goes to David's friend and the commander of his army named Joab. He wants Joab to try and help him get access to his father. Can you believe that? A son has to go to another man to try to get access to his own father. What might be even more unbelievable is that Joab refuses to help him do this. Look at what the Bible says. It says, Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him. But Joab refused to come. Absalom sent for him a second time, but again, Joab refused to come. So he can't get David's attention. He can't get Joab's attention. What does Absalom do? It says, so Absalom said to his servants, go and set fire to Joab's barley field. That'll get his attention. Kids will do that, you know. They would like your loving attention and willing involvement, but if they don't get it, they will set your fields on fire. They may drop out of school even though they're really bright. They may experiment with drugs or alcohol. They may sleep with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They will set your fields on fire. In fact, see if you would agree with this statement. Your son or daughter feels loved when they know that they have your attention. Let me ask you, if we were talking to your son or your daughter, would they say that they have your attention? Or do they feel like they're always competing with your career, your new boyfriend, or with your phone? You may say, well, my kids are all grown up. They're out of the house. You never stop being a parent on this one. Like David and Absalom, kids, if they constantly feel shortchanged by your tablet, your television, or your hobby, they will look elsewhere for attention. 
And I'm telling you, as a former youth pastor, you don't want that. America today is filled with girls and women who are dressing and dating to try to get the attention that they never got from their father. America today is filled with boys and men who are still desperate to try to gain their parents' approval. You don't want that. You don't want your fields to get burned. But in order to give your kids the attention that they need, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. You don't have to be the perfect parent. Thank goodness for that, right? You don't have to be the perfect parent, but you do have to be a present parent. Dinner time, bedtime, praying together, going to church together, planning a vacation, just your family. Don Grafham, our campus pastor at White Bear Lake, every year he plans a guy trip with his two sons. They've gone mountain biking, camping, canoeing, but mostly Don will tell you that the reason that he goes is for the conversation around the campfire. Let me ask you, is there one of your kids that needs a little extra attention this week? Could you set up some time, one-on-one, to give them your undivided attention? Maybe a better way to ask that question is, what is it in your schedule that needs to go? What, what team, party, or event do you need to say no to so that you have the time to invest in your kids? If you have young kids, you may not be able to play softball twice a week. If you have children, you may not be able to play golf every weekend for a season or two. You may not get as much work done around the house, but it's worth it. And it's worth it because your kids need your attention. Not a coach's attention, not their friend's attention, not a computer game's attention, not even a nanny or a babysitter's attention. They need your attention, their parent. Kids who feel loved have parents who give them attention. Second way that kids feel loved is this. They have parents that give them grace. A while ago, my wife and I found out that one of our sons had lied to us about something. And we just could not stop bringing it up. Every time we'd have another conversation, we'd go, well, I don't know if I can trust you. I mean, remember when you lied that one time? And there's some truth there. Trust is earned. It needed to be built back up. But imagine if someone followed you around all day long pointing out your mistakes. Don't elbow your spouse right now, okay? Some spouses do that. And that doesn't make for a very pleasant marriage. It doesn't make for a pleasant childhood either. Finally, my wife said to our child, she said, you know, when I confess my sin, Jesus forgives me and takes it far from me. And so we're done. We we won't talk about this again. She later said, you should have seen the smile on that child's face. Hebrews chapter 8 says this. God says, I will forgive their wrongdoings, and I will never again remember their sins. The Bible says that when you confess and you acknowledge your sin before God, he doesn't keep bringing it up. Not only does he forgive us, but he doesn't even remember it. David writes this in the Psalms. He says, Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who could ever survive? No person could survive a God who kept a record of sins. No child can survive a parent 
who keeps a record of sins. Kids need grace. They need to know that they are accepted not because of what they do, but because of what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that kids get to say whatever they want, listen to whatever they want, or watch whatever they want. Doesn't mean they get to taste, touch, or drink whatever they want. That's not grace. That's a person who wants to live their life without any regard for God. But it does mean that grace is available and failure isn't fatal. I want to read to you the definition of love. We live in a culture today that defines love as a feeling. It's those butterflies that you get when he walks in the room. It's, it's that feeling you get after that first date. But the Bible defines love as something much more deeper than that, much more significant than that. Look at how the Bible defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not proud. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Here's what I want you to do if you're a mom or a dad. I want you to insert your name into where the word love is in that statement. Dad is patient. Dad is kind. Dad is not proud. Dad is not easily angered. And let me tell you, dad keeps no record of wrongs. Would your kids say that about you? Or even as I read those words, are you going, no, that, that's, that's not me. Moms, what about you? Mom is patient. Mom is kind. Mom is not proud. She's not easily angered. And mom does not keep a record of wrongs. By the way, even if you're a mom or not a mom or a dad, you can still take this test. Insert your name where the word love is. Does that describe you? If you want people to feel loved by you, if you want your kids to feel loved by you, this is how you do it. This is the definition of love. It's patient. It's kind. It's humble. It's not easily angered, and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. The Bible says that any person who confesses their sin receives grace. Every sinner, not just the ones over the age of 18. If you want to reach your kid's heart in a way that makes them feel loved, give them grace. Give them what Christ has given to you. Third way that kids feel loved is when they have parents that give them unconditional love. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter writes, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that a fascinating statement? Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, just to be really clear, here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you can hit your kids and then take them to Dairy Queen. It doesn't mean you can sin against them like crazy and then go, oh, well, I, I love them. That would be false. But look again what Peter writes. He says, love each other, go back, love each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Now, of course, the love of Christ covers our multitude of sins, but notice that's not what Peter is trying to point out here. He says, love each other. In other words, it's our love that covers a multitude of sins. How does this relate to parenting? Well, it strikes me that love can cover a multitude of parental sins. 
You might lose your temper at times. You may fail to discipline and enforce consequences properly and effectively. You may speak too harshly to your kids. You may even have times where you push them too hard in sports. But if you love unconditionally, no strings attached, no matter what, your love can cover a multitude of parenting sins. As I mentioned, for spring break, we drove our kids down to South Carolina. It was a 20-hour drive. Bob was like, you're crazy. Can't believe you're driving your kids that far. The first night that we got there, we stayed in Lexington, Kentucky. And the night that we pulled in, Lexington was just coming off its largest snowstorm in its history. So here I am, this Minnesota guy, going down south for spring break, and I run into their largest snowstorm ever. I thought, God, you have a sick sense of humor. (laughs) Now, people down south are hilarious when it snows, aren't they? Because this was a big storm, but this was not the great Halloween blizzard of 1991. And yet, even though it had not been snowing for several hours, traffic was just stopped on the freeway. The road was like a washboard, no plows in sight, no salt down, nothing, and so we all just sat there on the freeway. We ended up getting into Lexington about an hour or two later than I had wanted to. I was exhausted, and I was irritable and crabby. I was trying to get my kids to bed. I'm like, get your jammies on, brush your teeth, get your snack. And all they wanted to do was jump on the bed. And then my youngest kept sucking on the TV remote. (laughs) Oh, you don't know where that's been. I was just like, so I just let them have it. I mean, I just let them have it. Next morning, I woke up. And I was feeling bad about my behavior from the night before. And it was like God whispered to me. Go into their room where they were just waking up and snuggle them. And so we did. We started our day out with giggles and snuggles and a really tender moment where my son Hudson wrapped his arm around me and said, Daddy, I love you. No excuse for irritability. But love can cover a multitude of parental sins. In his book, Grace-Based Parenting, author Timothy Kimmel says this, All children are born with a need to love and be loved. I think we all know that's true. I mean, you'd have to search far and wide to find the parent who says, I don't love my kids. I'm guessing there's no one here who would say, I don't love my kids. But loving your kids, or saying you love your kids rather, and actually loving them in a way where they feel secure and significant are two different things. All parents say they love their kids. All parents love their kids. But not all parents are raising kids who have developed a sense that they are unconditionally loved. And you know this is true, because some of you grew up experiencing it. You would tell me that my mom and my dad loved me, but I always felt like I had to earn it. I always felt like I had to perform for it. I never had this sense that I was loved unconditionally. Parents, even if your son or daughter doesn't make traveling, even if they don't make the honor roll, even if they don't fulfill the plans and the dreams that you have for their life, can you still show them that you love them no matter what? I want to show you a video of two boys named Caden and Connor. Caden will never make the varsity team. 
He will probably never have a high-paying job. But he has a brother, Connor, who loves him unconditionally. And it is making all the difference for both of them. Take a look at the side screens. That doctor pretty much told us, you know, your son is going to be a burden on your family. Put him in a home. You've already got one kid. He's okay. This one has cerebral palsy. He's going to be a vegetable. He's going to be in a wheelchair the rest of his life. He'll never leave your house. Put him in a home. When we found out we were having another little boy, they are so close in age. They were supposed to be biking and fishing together. But what Connor did for Caden and that one little choice to do a race on a weekend, it changed them. It changed. My name's Connor and my brother's name is Caden and we raced together in track once. For most young boys like Connor Long, the bonds of childhood are formed outdoors, playing together. But Connor's six-year-old brother Caden has been relegated to the sidelines for most of his life. Then an idea born out of a desire to connect with Caden. To become not just brothers or even playmates, but teammates competing together in triathlons. When I see him smiling and laughing, that means he's having a good time. And though they would finish last, they finished together as one. He's really excited before the race. He stays up to like one or two in the morning. But after that, he falls asleep in the cart. Our kitchen usually have this type of breakfast on the weekends. I it's cook, I mean, eggs. Yeah, they cook eggs and stuff, so I'm going to feed it right there. The one thing that makes me really mad is when people walk down the road and say, uh, the R word, if you know what that is. I just tell them that, like, it doesn't matter what he looks like on the outside, it's matter what's on the inside. And he still has regular feelings like we do and he understands what you say about him. If people could race with people that can't walk or talk or have any kind of autism, it might open eyes of people that don't really care about it. And maybe the people that don't care in the past will care in the future and actually do it with somebody. 10 years from now, the perfect place for me and Kaden would be, like you know how people have the American flag? on the moon, we'll have the Team Long Brothers flag on the moon. God has a plan and a purpose for those two little boys' life. May not be the same plan and purpose that the doctors had. May not even be the same plan and purpose that their parents had. Their parents may have dreamed that they would be finishing first in every race. And they're finishing last. But they're finishing together. Parents, your kids need to know that they are loved more for who they are than what they do. They need to know that no matter how well they perform or how high they score, that they are loved unconditionally. They need to know that God's plan and God's purpose for their life is far more important than our plan and our purpose for their life. How could you communicate that to your kids this week? One way is through encouragement. Specifically, encouraging them for who they are and not just what they do. My oldest son, Micah, is not naturally a compassionate person. 
In fact, a few weeks ago, we were out playing basketball in the driveway, and Micah was actually passing to me. I was pretending I was coming off a screen, and then I would catch and shoot, and I hit my first couple. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And our hoop is located in the driveway, and on the back of it, there's a lever that adjusts the height of the hoop. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go over on the other side, take a few shots coming around the other way. And so I turned, and I ran smack into this lever. I mean, I ran into it, dropped flat on my back. I think I might have broken my nose. My son Hudson came over, wrapped his arms around me, and he's like, Ted, are you okay? As I stumbled inside to get an ice pack, I almost tripped on Micah, who was laying on the driveway laughing. (laughs) He's like, Dad, I'm sorry, but you should have seen yourself. It looked like a sniper took you out. (laughs) He said, you have to admit that's funny. And after several hours of holding the ice pack, I was able to admit that that was funny. So Micah is not a naturally compassionate person. But despite that, he has a real heart for people who are hurting and a real heart for people who are being left out. About a month ago, we received a note home from Micah's teacher. And she said this, she said, we have a student in our class who is extra sensitive and often is picked on during Phi Ed. Today, that student was trying to high five his peers and no one responded to his attempts. The teacher goes on and writes, Micah saw what was happening and had the courage and compassion to run over to the student and high-five him, smiling and congratulating him on a good game. The other boy was so happy, his eyes lit up. The other boys in our class followed Micah's example and celebrated with their sensitive friend. She said, I was so touched and proud, it brought tears to my eyes. I hope you are too. When I got that note home, I called Micah into the kitchen and I just wrapped him up tight. And you know, guys, we can hardly look each other in the face. But I finally choked out. I said, you know, every parent wants to receive a note like that about their kid. I said, you're an amazing boy. I love you so much. Friends, I hope that I don't care what career my son goes into. He could be a pastor. He could be a math teacher. He might struggle to find work. He might make the varsity team. He might get cut. He might get a scholarship. He might not. But all I have ever dreamed for my kids is that they would love God and love other people. I've dreamed that they would know Christ personally and that they would know that they are unconditionally loved. Kids need parents who are giving them three things, attention, grace, and unconditional love. But it strikes me as I was writing this message that it's hard to give something that you haven't received yourself. It's hard to give your kids grace if you've never received grace yourself. It's hard to give your kids unconditional love if you've never been the recipient of that in your own life. Friends, if you don't get anything else out of today's message, please get this. The only way to receive amazing grace and unconditional love is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. As a parent, if you want to have the resources that your kids need, you need to surrender your life to Christ. The Bible says that Christ is the one who offers us grace. Says this in Romans. Says God in his grace declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. Second Corinthians says my grace is all you need. My power is made perfect 
in your weakness. What a great verse for parents and grandparents. You know, a lot of times you wake up in the morning and you think, I don't have enough. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough strength. You need to know that God's grace is all that you need. And his power is made perfect in your weakness. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You have been saved by grace through faith, not by works. So you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. You don't have to perform for God. You don't earn your salvation through good behavior and perfect attendance. It's by grace. The Bible says that Christ is the only one who gives us unconditional love as well. Look at what it says in 1 John. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it or achieve it. You don't get it from another person. You don't get it from another boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife. It comes from God. The verse goes on to say this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Hollywood's love is not real. God sending his one and only son to die for us, that is unconditional love. The verse concludes this way. It says, It is not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means to absorb or deflect. Jesus absorbs our punishment. He deflects God's righteous anger towards sin. That is real unconditional love. It strikes me that most parenting problems are actually God problems. It is hard to parent well if you have not received grace and unconditional love into your own life. For some of you today, that means giving your life to Christ for the first time. It means turning from your sins and putting your faith in Jesus Christ and asking him to fill you with his love and with his grace. For others of you, it might mean studying the words love and grace in the Bible this week. Look them up on BibleGateway.com and let those verses seep into your spirit. And for others of you, it might mean recommitting your life to Christ. You know, maybe before you had kids, you thought, well, you know, whatever, whatever decisions I make only affect me. But now the decisions and choices that you make as a parent affect your kids. You're not just responsible for yourself, you're responsible for them. And maybe you're going, you know what? My kids deserve a mom or a dad who's in the Bible every day, getting wisdom from God's word so that I can parent well. My kids deserve a mom and dad who's praying for them and praying for our family and asking that God would move in our lives. My kids deserve a mom or dad who leads the way to church and who pursues Christ and puts God number one. Not number two, number three, or number four, but number one in my own life. And maybe today you make that step and that commitment to recommit your life to Christ. In fact, let's do that now. Would you stand with me at all of our campuses? And we're going to pray for some of us to put our faith in Christ for the first time and for others of us to recommit our lives. Let's pray. Lord, there may be a person here, maybe a parent, maybe not, but who needs your amazing grace and your unconditional love in their own life. 
And so right now, God, in the quietness of their own mind, they are just going to pray these words with me. God, I acknowledge my sin. I confess it before you. I turn from it right now in this moment, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God, would you give me your grace? Would you fill me with your unconditional love? And may I follow you from this day forward for the rest of my life. God, for others of us here, maybe as parents, we realize right now that our son, our daughter, needs a mom or a dad who is sold out to you. Not just partially committed to you, but is sold out to you and seeking after you, God. And I pray right now in this moment that we can recommit ourselves to that that we can recommit ourselves to pursuing you and seeking you every single day. And I pray that you would meet us this week. May today be the beginning of a revival in our own spiritual lives. And may our kids be the one who reap the benefits of that. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and his grace and his love that we all get to experience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer or if you prayed that prayer on Easter, stop off at the resource table today. We've got a Bible and some free gifts for you. Otherwise, have a great night, everybody.